0: figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast. Hey everyone, we have a really exciting episode this week that we want to share with you. Uh, Elizabeth and I were recently in Michigan spending some time with some dear friends, Emerson and Sarah Igrich. Emerson wrote the book called Love and Respect, which has been such an incredible help to millions upon millions of marriages around the world and this dynamic of love and respect. And so we know that having a healthy marriage is the beginning of being an intentional parent. It's like the rebar that we put in the foundation of our home. It gives it extra strength. And so uh, we were out there, in michigan visiting emerson and sarah just catching up on marriage and life and we pulled out the recorder and captured some amazing conversations about love and respect and also about love and respect in the family specifically with parents and kids and so uh we apologize for the lower audio quality but the content is just so rich we had to share it so hope you enjoy these episodes Uh, welcome to today's podcast. We have a particularly fun day. I'm here with Elizabeth, my wife, Hello. and we have a really special guest, our, our first guest on this episode, which I, I could not be more happy about, sincerely, and that guest is Emerson Egrich. Thank you. Thank and, you. Thank you. Thank you for sitting with us. We are actually kind of a fun story. We Elizabeth and I are actually here in Michigan mm-hmm. uh, at Emerson and Sarah's house, and we've been here for the past few days. Um, in Sarah's words, being pampered. Oh,
1: we've been pampered and well-fed. Oh my goodness. And well. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah, it's been actually quite interesting. We we left our four kids with Phil and Diane, and so they're learning what it's like to be intentional grandparents with four kids, the full load, <laughs> and we came out here for a few days to uh, be refreshed, honestly, in so many different ways, and um, talk about our own marriage and life, and we've been having great conversations around um, intentional and also just life and family context. So thank you, Emerson, for... no. Oh, thank you for,
2: for coming all this way. We're honored to have you.
0: Yeah, so this has been... Um, we've actually known you for a long time. Um, yeah. How, when was the first time... When did we meet, Oh, It's
1: got to be 10 years. I think we were newly married, and you came to our church, and you did one of your Love and Respect conferences, and you spoke on Sunday... And we heard, um, really, your God-given message that you've just so clearly illuminated from the scriptures on what it means for a wife to respect her husband and a husband to love his wife. And, you know, at that time, it was just life-changing to us, newly married, and every time we hear it, it's more life-changing and more convicting in the best way. And I think it is for anybody who encounters it because it's just so clear that that's such a need that husbands and wives have and we don't always naturally offer each other. So I'd love it if you could just start us out by just speaking to what is love and respect for those who, who haven't been to your conference, haven't read one of your many books or your particularly your love and respect book. Could you just explain to us what is this concept? How does it work? Right. No, it's an
2: excellent question. And those, uh, wives, mothers who just heard you say about respecting a man, if they were sipping their coffee, she just choked.
1: She just <laughs> choked. What? I need well, respect. Yeah. So, uh,
2: let's clarify that, yeah. you know, uh, we all need love and respect equally. And, uh, that is a very important thing, but why love and respect? Um, don't we need a lot of things equally? Yeah. The university of Washington studied 2000 couples for 20 years. Mm -hmm. and the love laboratory and it's probably the premier evaluation and it said we now know the two key ingredients for successful marriages love and respect Mm -hmm. and i think that rings true for all of us i think we instinctively know we don't know how to do it always and uh, we certainly know when we feel unloved and disrespected (laughs) Yeah. yeah and we don't really intend to be unloving or disrespectful and we can't figure out sometimes why our spouse is having a problem with us but uh, they discovered uh, there is a gender difference. There's a gender specificity here that though we all need love and respect equally, it begins to play itself out differently. Yes. yes. And so for instance, 85% of those who stonewall and withdrawal during a marital conflict, who do you think that 85% would consist of? Generally speaking,
0: uh, yeah, probably men. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And,
2: and, and so it raises the question why, but the men were the ones that were withdrawing. So that isn't stereotyping men. It's not pigeonholing, and it. it's it's a statistically significant finding. So, in other words, it's predictive. It's a pattern. So it raises the question: Well, why? Well, there are many voices in the culture say, well, they're narcissistic. They're unloving mm. individuals who don't care about the woman because women don't do that. Yeah, most women don't. Now, my mother did, but most women who do it, it's that they're thoughtful women, or they are individuals who fear what he's going to do with her emotions. She mm. withdraws for a different reason than what you and I would withdraw. Yeah. So raise yeah. the question, well, why were the men withdrawing? The University of Washington discovered, because they had people monitored for heartbeats per minute, they had linguists there, they had clinicians there, they were videotaping, they did an in-depth evaluation. Yeah. What's going on here? And they noticed when he started to withdraw, his heartbeats were getting to 99 beats per minute. That's warrior mode. Hmm. So what does a man who's honorable do when he is upset like that, he has to calm himself down. Yeah, he does. And your world, as a man with me, we, if we are best of buddies and get into a heated exchange, we eventually say, drop it, forget it. Because yeah. our relationship is more important than this issue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we also know that we have a lethal component, which is not a healthy thing. But it's also <laughs> the very thing that causes us to th- throw ourselves on our wives when... a. a some serial killers opening fire in an opening square. Yeah, absolutely. yeah we give our lives. we throw ourselves on a hand grenade. so yeah. people say there's toxic masculinity. yeah, but there's also virtuous masculinity yeah. Yeah, just sure. like they're toxic feminine, you know people the prima donnas out there and, and, and ugly, but most women are very virtuous and maternal and caring individuals. Yeah. so mm-hmm. we can indict all of our genders or we can, you know work with them. but here's the deal that ninety nine percent then, 99 beats per minute of that 85 percent they were doing that because they're trying to calm down Mm -hmm. okay and the women though were asked what do you feel when he withdraws like that and the descriptor uh was active hostility interesting that they most Mm -hmm. women say he hates me in other words he doesn't love me now does a woman need respect yes but at a certain point she even if she even if feel that that's disrespectful that is respectful. Eventually, if you keep doing what she feels is disrespectful, she'll say, "How can you say you love me?" Mm-hmm. She will almost always land on that deeper thing of yes. love, right? Yes. And it, the act of hostility then was, you know, clearly uh, uh, an indication that she leaned toward the love component. Mm. that this felt hateful, it felt unloving. Right or wrong, that's how she began to interpret it. Yes. The, the men, on the other hand, though, we, we understand that they do it out of an act of honor. Mm. So it raises that question, is it an act of honor at that moment, or is it an act of hostility? Wow. And as I always ask, it depends on, well, the answer to that is yes, but it depends on whether you videotape in blue or videotape in pink. Mm. Yes. And women are not wrong for their sentiments, but men are not wrong for what they're doing either. Yeah. And One of the questions I always like to ask, is it, is it possible that we could both be right, though we differ? Could it, could it be possible <laughs> no, that neither so. one of us are wrong? <laughs> no, it's not different. possible. <laughs> Unless it's an evil situation. you yeah. know. But most of these are clashing preferences. So it, it's what I call a pink and blue difference in the gray area that must not become a black and white issue.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Wait, say that again. I think you need to say those colors again. So it's yeah. a pink and blue issue.
2: In the gray area. In the gray yes. area. That yep. must not become a white and black issue. Oh, wow. that's
0: let that sink in. If you're listening, just pause, rewind, hit 10 seconds back. Let that sink in. Yeah. That's good. Well, and it's
2: just the idea that we can sometimes escalate things to a category of a moral mm-hmm. ought yes. not. And it's really not a moral issue. Yeah, it's just we, we differ. Not. As, as yes. I say, maybe my idea is better, but that doesn't make their idea bad. It makes it less better. It's hmm. we call a yeah. comparative statement rather than a qualitative statement. we tend to make these qualitative statements you're bad because you you don't agree with me yeah. No, you're just different and your idea is less better but it doesn't make it bad we don't use language sometimes to diffuse tension yeah. and we can do that part of the reason i bring this up is i think we're mature enough to be able to introduce language i don't like your idea it's less better than mine but i'm not going to say it's intrinsically evil yes. I, I just think that that's not a the best of ideas here yes. and it, but it could be but you know uh see how, that's how Sarah and I try to frame it so that we don't get into this argument and suddenly I'm judging her as a horrible person or she's judging me. When if you had three pastors and three judges, they'd say, wait a minute, you know, this, you you guys are, you're way beyond what's appropriate. But here's what I'm trying to say. She was beginning in this research, feeling unloved. She leans toward that. Does she need respect? Absolutely. But she was feeling these women, you know, this is unloving. And as we say, if a woman really wants respect as her deepest need, why is there not one movie that ends with the hero embracing the damsel saying, I want to rescue, the, respect you the rest of my life? You know? <laughs> or there's not one anniversary card from a husband to a wife and all the hallmark cards that says, baby, I really respect you. But they, they know R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Yeah, they do. You see, it, yeah. it, it, it isn't. That they haven't tried it, but you follow the money and you'll see what people truly value. And um, a wife doesn't want that. Mm. Now, she needs respect, but at the deepest core, she wants to know, does he love me as much as I love him? Absolutely, yeah. And if we just love each other, that's all that matters and we'll be happy. Mm -hmm. That's that. That makes perfect sense to her. And she gets the idea of respect and she wants to be respected. But when we talk about respecting a man, now this is interesting and we'll address that. But so far, am I making sense and what yeah, I'm saying is well, on one side sounds, of the equation. A yeah. couple
0: things that you know. Thank you for setting that up, and uh, Elizabeth had asked the question. You know, kind of give us that dynamic of love and respect, and what you have in your book. And if you don't have love and respect, go to Amazon immediately, purchase that book. Your life yeah. will be changed. But I, I do think that. Why we're talking about marriage with the Intentional Parenting Podcast is because it starts with a healthy marriage. And one of the biggest gifts we believe that you can give your kids is, is a healthy marriage. When mom and dad yeah. are working through their issues, not perfect, not always, you know, not without argument or without disagreement, but are understanding each other or living with each other in an understanding way and how much that uh, not only builds up your family, but... Uh, as Phil says, sometimes um, puts rebar in the foundation of your home, and so um, that's why we're touching on this topic today because it's vitally important. Being an intentional parent in many ways starts with a, being an intention, intentionally married and understanding these dynamics. And so, uh, I know, I, I know it's incredibly helpful. It's been incredibly helpful to us. Um, you know, one of the things that you had brought up is. The pink and blue, you know, you use this analogy in your book. It's a beautiful analogy and simple to understand. There's pink and blue, um, differences in gray areas. And, you know, we want to make those black and white. Um, give me some under, you know, give me some ideas of, of how as a married couple, when you're young and you are, you have, you're young and your kids are young and you're trying to raise these kids to love Jesus and you're working and you're tired and you're, you're in all these different spaces. Um, give us some, maybe some handlebars, some practical uh, understanding or tips of how does this like play out in our everyday life? Because I love these concepts and ideas. These are great. Like we all will go, yes, I love the idea of loving and respecting my my spouse. But the problem really becomes like, how do we really do that Mm -hmm. in a practical way? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I
2: mean, there are a number of things you touched on. I think uh, one of the points you made about you spend 30 years raising your children and then you end up divorcing. Mm -hmm. And all the deposits we make makes a, a larger withdrawal and bankrupts the, the family unit yes. and Sarah and I were committed we knew that the greatest gift we could give our kids if our relationship worked we could make a lot of mistakes as parents but if we were uh, having a meaningful friendship between the two of us mm-hmm. that that was the greatest gift we could give our kids with all the desire to coach them correctly counsel them correctly discipline them, discipline them rightly understand empathize we knew that if our relationship uh, was solid, meaningful, it didn't mean that we were going on second, third honeymoons, flying the world over. We weren't, we weren't into this um, you know, overly romantic kind of notion that some of Hollywood projects, but that we had a healthy friendship, we enjoyed each other, that there was laughter, and we, and we were friends, Yeah. that that was the greatest gift that we could give our kids. Mm-hmm. And that would make an allowance for a lot of mistakes that we made with our kids. And we felt they would be the most secure knowing that we were secure. Oh, yes. that's beautiful. Right? Yeah. So that, that yeah. issue that you addressed there, uh, we'll look at some of the practical, uh, how, how does this love and respect thing, but the research on the other side of it said men withdraw and stonewall. Yeah. But the common thing that women did during conflict was criticize and complain. They'd yes. move toward the husband very aggressively yeah. as he was moving back or, you know, vice versa. But there was this obvious large percentage of the women criticized, complain, and they knew that wasn't politically correct in the feminist culture to say, but there's no way the linguists were feminists. They, they, they couldn't deny this is yeah. if you have any meaning to language, it's criticism, complaint, criticism, complaint. And so the men were asked, how do you feel about this? And the mm. idea was these, these ongoing criticisms just feel like she's using this topic as another opportunity to send me a message. That she doesn't like who I am as a human being. Yeah. That she kind of yeah. despises who I am. That I, mm. I need to change who I am is unacceptable. You know, it's, it's deeper than just the fact that my behavior isn't what it should be. It's who I am yes. isn't what it should be. Oh. I feel judged by her. Yeah. Now the, uh, so they were feeling it was an act of contempt. Mm. Whereas uh, all the research points, women are nurturers. Mm. You look at any yeah. social scale. I got my PhD in family studies. Uh, women are just, there's, they're, they're incomparable. The virtue of women caring. Women can't not care. Mm. And so it's just, and, and so I always say, if you get sick as a man, yeah. you're going to be on a hundred prayer lists across the country. <laughs> women will be praying for you. It's yeah. just, it's yeah. just, it's, a, it is one of the most beautiful, beautiful things. They are the care. If you have a stroke, your wife is going to be next to you. It's just, mm. it's just an amazing thing. So when she criticizes and complains, is, is it because she cares? Is it an act of care? Mm. Or is it an act of contempt? Well, it just depends on whether you videotape in pink or blue. (laughs) See, not wrong, (laughs) just different. But what happens is that we come to a point where we want to say on on both of these scenarios, she wants to say, you're not an honorable man. This is an act of hostility. Mm. And I'm a caring person. And you ought not to feel contempt. Mm. Case closed. Mm. And he wants to say, I am not hostile. I am an honorable man. And I don't believe in this as care you have this op. it's another opportunity to send me a message you have content once you draw <laughs> yeah. the lines that way on the gray areas yeah yeah these yeah. pink and blue differences which are researched now they're the crossovers there are men who are more caring you know i yeah. mean I, i'm not going to argue uh, against but belk i can't argue against the t- statistically significant findings yeah you just this is this is beyond uh, coincidence so if you are in those categories and you pass the judgment on the other is wrong because that's not how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. A blue guy says, "Well, I don't feel the way she feels." Therefore, well, so that makes her wrong, hmm. or does it just make her different. Different, yeah. And vice versa, because as a woman, you can't imagine shutting down and walking away. It's incomprehensible. It is that act of hostility. It just feels like he doesn't care about you. Are left there jarred. It's like fingernails down a chalkboard. It's just beyond your comprehension. Yes. So it's very difficult to conclude he'd be doing an honorable thing when it feels so unloving. Yeah. So we have to come to a point, first of all, whether or not that's true that he leans toward the respect side Yeah. Mm-hmm. and she leans toward the love side, even though we both need love and respect equally. And also, yeah. are we willing to say love and respect are probably the two key ingredients for a successful marriage? And certainly mm-hmm. the University of Washington wrote a book, Why Marriages Succeed or Fail, and they said love and respect, when those attitudes are present, when that demeanor is present, those relationships succeed. Mm. But when there is this sense of hostility that he has toward her spirit, she has a sense of contempt toward his spirit, even if they don't intend that, but they appear that way in an ongoing way, you're going to have a problem. But what happens is we don't see it. Why? Because we think the problem is the budget. We think the problem is Mm. the in law We think the problem is our oldest rebellious child. We think the problem is our sex and intimacy issues. And so those are real issues, but they're not the root issues. Mm -hmm. So what happens when we're talking about money that we don't have enough for this month, he shows an unloving, even maybe a hostile attitude toward her. He's upset. He's not thinking I'm going to be unloving toward her. He's not Mm -hmm. thinking I'm trying to come across in a hostile way. But she's filtering It's like... Not only is the money an issue, I don't feel that you really are very loving right now for me. And so, well, if you'd make more money, if, you know, if you would be a better provider, you know, and she has the look, (laughs) you know. And so now now suddenly it's not only the money that you yourself want to make more of and wish you had a second job that could
0: compensate. Absolutely, yeah. She despises me. (laughs) And that's, and that message will absolutely push away. And
1: demotivate. yeah,
0: Yeah. So one of the so here's, some, I know we talked about this a little already while being here, but so Elizabeth and I have the opposite dynamic, okay? So the 85%, I don't actually fall into that 85%. I fall into that 15% that actually is the one that like kind of goes towards and wants to pursue. And Elizabeth is the one, and sorry for exposing all no. of our marriage to everybody, uh, <laughs> but she's the one that actually would more stonewall, if, mm-hmm. if you were to compare. And I know we've been working through that too, and I know we chatted about that a little but. You know, for a couple that finds themselves, because I think you did a great job of explaining the 85% and the, you know, uh, of of those who stonewall, what do you do when it's reversed? Mm -hmm. You know, because that's, I know that I'm asking this personally because I just want to know. Right. But then also for those who might be listening and resonating, say, you know, I'm the one that pursues my wife's stonewalls. Right, right. Yeah.
2: Well, and we talk about the fact that the 15% of the women who withdraw do so for different reasons. Mm. Yeah. And, And my mother withdrew because my dad had rage issues. So usually a woman withdraws because, as I said, she's either a very thoughtful woman, which is really what I encourage women to do. Yeah, and, and we've actually mm-hmm. talked about this between the two of you. Yeah, that so well. Elizabeth uh, is thoughtful. She she, she is, is yeah. she does not want to just react or comment. She's thoughtful, and that's really the wise way. So mm-hmm. a woman who's doing that thoughtfully. Now the other woman it does it out of fear that she's given up. He he won't. He won't uh, understand my emotions. Hmm. Uh, there's no point in talking about this. If I try to voice what I'm feeling, he'll tell me I ought not to feel that way. Hmm. And yeah. typically, and because of a man is verbal like you are or the intellectual type that you would be as well, that and we, you and I talked about this that there is a desire. There's two things going on. You are riled when she's looking at you, you know, and yeah. you can tell that she's upset. She's Absolutely. withdrawn because she's not happy with you about something. Yeah. And that riles you. Yes. And, but your personality, I want to resolve this right now. So you get aggressive. That heartbeat doesn't cause you to withdraw. It caused you to come at her. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's really not a healthy thing. And so <laughs> the, it's not necessarily an honorable thing. And that's why she's <laughs> shutting down on it. Yeah. And why she pulls back. And as yeah. we pointed out, but it's a healthy thing that you want to resolve it. Unlike a lot of men, just drop it, forget it. Yeah. That's not you, She's too important to you. So the virtue in what you're doing is that. So as we talked about, yeah. the rules of engagement. yeah, yes. Part of it is the insecurity in you. I don't want her to be upset with me. And I want to resolve this because I don't yeah. feel good about us. I don't feel good about me. I'm not feeling good about her. If she's holding on... To something here yeah and so I said your rules of engagement need to be she needs to let you know on a scale of one to ten this is a two. Ten is being we're ready to die yes. you know <laughs> two being you know so okay and you said wow that would relieve me immediately it would yeah. and um, but you we said what if it's not a good situation and it's an eight how much time I said do you Elizabeth need you said maybe 10 to 15 minutes to calm down and I said to you is that is that is that enough time oh yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah. then we said, come back together only for 15 minutes to talk about it. Don't be going on and on and on and on because yes. you'll, you'll escalate again. So one of the, and this is arbitrary, but it, it, it's a cultural thing, but it's a rules of engagement that here you both are, you're wanting to talk about this and you don't know how to weigh how important this is. Yes. If she gives you the two fingers up, it's just a two. Hey, okay. We don't need to talk about another yeah. one. I'm yeah. good. I'm happy. You've resolved it for me. Yeah. If it's an eight, she needs 15 minutes. Yes. And then come back and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Now that applies on the other side. The 85% yeah. same thing. The man yeah. who withdraws, you know, you, you need to give him 15 minutes to calm down physiologically. Yeah. You know, in a male's case, you're not going to get through to him. Even we'll talk uh, another time about sons. Yeah. Why do my sons just go off in fear? What? Because they're physiologically responding. So give them the 15 minutes to kind of just calm down. And then come back and let's revisit this, but not for fifteen hours. Yeah, we even have a marriage thing that sounds mechanical, but setting the timer, yeah, and and yeah. get particularly because men feel if he now is going to listen, she will say, "There's one more thing," Yeah. and one more thing, and guys will say it's like Pandora's yes. box open, and, and naturally she would because it's finally he's hearing me, he's finally he trusts me, so he's me. exactly, and yeah. now I can share with him the hurts I have. So her yeah. heart is caring; it's good, but from him, it's kind of like. Oh, this is shaming. Yeah. I, I'm getting, un- <laughs> we've never, we've anymore. never experienced this. Yeah, I don't never, know what you're never, talking about <laughs> all the time, <laughs> but I'll stop there just to yeah, say yeah. these are the dynamics then that we have to come to a point where I trust my spouse has goodwill, that yeah. she's not trying to be contemptuous. She is caring. She is sensitive to what appears to be an act of hostility or this unloving thing. And, and she needs to be reminded that you're trying to do the honorable thing here without an attitude. And the same thing on the other side. Can we? Give language to this a little bit and you learn how to do it. At first, it's going to feel very foreign, particularly the respect side, which is what we started with. But let's give the husband the benefit of the doubt. If you see him withdrawing, say, did I say something that felt disrespectful or dishonoring to you? Because that's not my heart. I need your strength. I need to connect with you. I'm feeling a little Mm -hmm. insecure. I need reassurance right now. And same thing. The guy can say, you know, boy, I I see you coming at me here. Did I just say something that felt unloving to you? Um. You know, how, how do I, how do I do this? If we use that mother tongue of the other person, they will, in fact, tend to engage us rather than disengage us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think so often, I know at least my own tendency, and I think a lot of um, women would relate to this, but I can often use disrespect as in my, you know, I'm not even always consciously doing it, but trying to motivate Brooke to calm down and be loving towards me, I become aggressive and disrespectful. Because I'm trying to get him to be loving, which does not work (laughs) ever. Um, But I think that just can easily be our tendency. And something you have been saying, and you said it yesterday, actually in a different context. You were talking about coming from a family of origin where there was maybe a lot of unhealth or um, divorce or family trauma. And that was your maybe upbringing. And what do you do with that? How do you not repeat that in your own family? But you said, we have to look and see where my parents, or I think you can also do it towards your spouse, were they goodwilled or ill-willed? And most of the time, I mean, there's exceptions to that. There are evil-willed people in the world. But most of the time we say, well, they're goodwilled people who they themselves came from a bad upbringing or whatever. And they're not intentionally trying to be evil towards me. And now you're applying it to marriage as well. Well, he's good He's not trying to be unloving to me. And when you when you can have that in your mind, that to me is just so eye-opening to just take a, a minute and pause and ask myself that question. Is he trying to be ill-willed toward me in this moment? Is he trying to be unloving? And usually the answer, no, he's not trying to. He's unaware of how but he's coming across to me. <laughs> and I do feel like the way he's acting is unloving. But I know he's not intentionally doing that to me. Same thing with... Me disrespecting him. Oftentimes he said, I feel disrespected. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, what did I possibly say that was disrespectful? Because I'm thinking that I never tried to disrespect you, but I'm still, I mean, I've known about this for a long time, but I'm, I feel like I'm always having to learn the mm-hmm. language of respect because it doesn't, that's never my intent to be disrespectful, but I can be disrespectful pretty mm-hmm. easily. Um, so I just loved that you said that. And I felt like that was really helpful. To recognize, I have a very good-willed husband, and that can just knowing that can diffuse a whole lot of conflict.
2: Yeah. yeah, no, and I, I just want to echo everything you're saying. That's based on First Corinthians seven thirty-three and thirty-four. The husband is concerned about how to please his wife, mm-hmm. and yeah. the wife is concerned about how to please her husband. Mm-hmm. Paul Penn Romans, the great treatise on the depravity of the human heart. <laughs> yeah. That we're that, that there's something intrinsically fallen, uh, and 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 we are not uh, perfect individuals. And so he could have said to the Corinthians about your marriage, you're married to a selfish, sinful, no good, rotten person who deserves to be damned to hell forever. But he didn't. He said, you know, when it comes to marriage, the residual of God's image is still there. We're not perfect, but paradise is still there, that there is this image of God that Jesus talked about, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And he never showed contempt toward the spirit of the disciples, even though he confronted their weak flesh. And we have to understand this dualism. That when it comes to marriage, you're married to a person who has basic goodwill until there's strong mm-hmm. evidence to the contrary. Mm. I mean, if you married Hitler's distant cousin, all bets are off. But my belief is you didn't do that because you <laughs> yeah. had good discernment going into this. And that person you met, unless they're just a chronic liar and a serial killer that was deceiving you, mm. what you recognized in them was true. That yeah. person is still there. But what happens is we get on what I call that crazy cycle. Yeah. When she feels unloved, she reacts in a way that feels disrespectful to him. When he feels disrespected, then he reacts in a way that feels unloving. So without love, she reacts without respect. Without respect, he reacts without love. And it starts spinning. And to your earlier point, we end up using unholy means to achieve these worthy ends. You want to be loved, and you end up though coming across in a way that appears disrespectful because you know it gets his attention, right? And you come mm -hmm. across in a way that feels unloving at times, when you're feeling disrespected, you can't treat me this way, I'll teach you to respect me, woman, kind of that, you know, wife beater type, you know, guy, and you have these images, and it's stupid, it's completely foolish, it it doesn't work. And so what yeah. we have to do is do what you've done as well. Why would God command me to put on love? Why would God command Sarah to put on respect in Ephesians 5.33, which is the, the summary statement of the greatest treatise in the New Testament? Husbands love, wives respect. Why would we be under command? Because we don't do it naturally. Yeah. And what we do very naturally—it's very natural, very natural for me to be unloving when I feel Sarah is disrespecting me. Mm. And your point is very natural for you to be disrespectful when it feels that whatever he's done was unloving. Yeah. And until we come to that point, and even I make this, and at the end of the day, it's not our intent. Mm -hmm. to be unloving or disrespectful on the heels of feeling unloved and disrespected we're defensively reacting though Mm. in a way that offends and we have to come to a point where we realize that we're not rightly representing our deepest heart so when you're feeling unloved but you overdo it with this disrespectful appearance he's not going to hear the cry of your heart because if you misrepresent yourself he's going to misinterpret you Mm. so what we have to then do is you have to work at this a little bit and realizing I'm probably not doing myself any favors by the way I'm really coming but across. But we also come to a point where we have to say to ourselves, is this disrespectful reaction really going to carry the weight of my need to be loved? And will can I really be this negative to motivate him to be positive? Yeah. You see how yeah. we yeah. all have to step back and then we have to ask ourselves, will they really hear me? if I deliver my need to be loved in a respectful way, will he really hear me? If I deliver my message to need to be respected in a loving way, will she really hear me? We feel that we'll be dismissed. Uh, A guy who's saying, I'm going to say lovingly, I need you to, I don't need to respect you. And we are so fearful Mm -hmm. of that, that we're going to be unloving Mm -hmm. to get her to show us respect. Well, one thing I can say is, that will never work. No. And there's no absolute guarantee that if I'm loving and respectful, that the other person will reciprocate. Or, but I believe over time, that message will come through. Yeah, there's a softening that yes, happens. Yes, yeah. it will.
1: Yeah. yeah. So the, the crazy cycle you mentioned is just such a good visual because I think everyone listening right now says, yeah, we get on the crazy cycle all the time. Or maybe we have little kids and we're always on the crazy cycle because we're stressed. And So how do you get off the crazy cycle?
2: Well, you bring up a great point. We've got to be able to reduce that for the sake of the kids mm-hmm. if it gets way out of control like I said my dad had rage issues he attempted to strangle my mother to death wow. when you get way out of control w- what's going on here are we trying to somehow make a righteous point mm-hmm. my dad was trying to make a righteous point point. Yeah. and but he was damaging everything in everything the process in the pro- yeah. Yeah, you see what i'm saying yeah yeah. yeah yeah so there's a place for overkill and we've got it's if, if in our parenting, and our marriage, we're out of control, we've got the family secret, but the kids know, all of us have to come to a point where we say, you know what, I got to do this differently. Yeah. yeah. And I got I got to make this a priority. This can't be a, a, a coming at this thing, you know, uh, you, you don't parent your spare time type thing. You don't you yeah. do not do marriage in your spare time. There has to come to a moment where we say you know who really is important here if we whatever we would die for is probably pretty important and if you're going to die for your kids then they have to kind of take to the priority here and yeah. if you are losing it on the crazy i mean it's i mean there's screaming there's there's throwing stuff there's that scenario that needs some intervention you got to really just be honest with each other the the, the yeah. lord is speaking to me i need to deal with this now and it could very well be that your parents were that way and you're damaged goods but not permanently yeah. it's not your quote quote fault you are the victim. Jesus said, woe to those who cause one of these little ones to stumble. So yeah. you may be been in a situation, but you know what? You've got to do your homework now yeah. and you can compensate and you can bring healing. So there's that scenario, mm-hmm. but I won't get into that. But that person needs to realize this is a wake up call yeah. because you could be devoted to your kids. But now every six weeks or every month, you're losing it with your spouse. And there is just this like in my family it's just, you, you, you know, it, you're, you're just destroying everything that you've been working on for 30 days. It goes under in one hour. Because you're creating fear and anxiety in kids. Yeah. But now those of us who are not in that camp, you know, we're getting, we're, we're on the crazy cycle. We really don't like each other. We're containing a little bit. Well, one of the ways you've got to do this is understand, wait a minute. You're, you've got this undercurrent of resentment toward each other because you're on the crazy cycle. Mm-hmm. I don't deserve this disrespect. Why well, don't deserve to be in love like this? I'm trying to do everything I can for this family. Well, I'm trying yeah. to do everything. We get to this point where we, we feel so misunderstood. Right. Mm -hmm. And part of what I'm helping couples realize, is, wait a minute, it's not as bad as you think. Yeah. And just relax here. Take a breath. He is a loving man who would Mm. die for you if you you don't kill him. (laughs) He is this loving man, but he will react certain ways when he feels disrespected. And you can argue all day long that he ought not to feel that way. Mm. And maybe you're right. But wouldn't it be the better part of wisdom, given the benefit of the doubt that he's a good willed man and just say to him, I'm not trying to be disrespectful right now. I sense I'm losing you, you're disengaging, you th- I'm stepping on your house I'm not trying to dish you right now. I need you. I need you. I need your strength right now. How do I say this in a way that you don't think I'm attacking you? Mm-hmm. Or how do I even go quiet here in your case, Elizabeth, without you thinking that I'm sending you a message that I yeah. despise and you? I'm shutting you out. Exactly. And don't be afraid of that language because there's such power. Mm-hmm. Then, <clears throat> think of it the other way. <clears throat> If your spouse did that toward you, speaking your mother tongue, would you resent them for that? If there was any sense of that they were genuine, you would soften, mm-hmm. you, would, you would respond. Yeah. Yes. So the power of this is incredible. It raises the question, who moves first? Well, if you think that your spouse's behaviors are childish, they're reacting in these childish ways, then that suggests that you're the mature one And here's what I say. The mature one always moves first. Who moves first? The one who sees himself or herself as the most mature moves first to get off the crazy cycle. So you're the one that says that (laughs) I just come across disrespectfully, that I just come across Mm -hmm. unloving. Is it unfair to you? No, but it just works.
1: Yes, The power
2: is incredible. Do it for six months. And if at the end of six months it doesn't work, I'm going to give you all your money back (laughs) on what you're paying. (laughs) (laughs) All your money for that you're
0: paying for this podcast. Yes. Um, wow, Emerson, that is incredibly helpful. I, I want to, there's one subject I want to broach and we didn't talk about it, but this is kind of fun. Um, you know, one of the things you said earlier, um, talking about intimacy in marriage, I'm thinking about, I have a particular like, you know, couple or uh, type of couple in mind during the season. You have, you know, two or three young kids. Uh, you've, you've, just figured out like, wow, having kids, multiple ones, you know, every two years has been beautiful, but it's also now all of a sudden knocked us out of our rhythms and I finding it really hard to be patient or loving or kind or all those things. Um, and particularly for some of the guys out there, I, I know I talk to a lot of friends who are worried about intimacy in this season. Intimacy, meaning even uh, rhythms of, of sex and rhythms of of how do we actually Now, in this stage, be intimate when my wife has kids all over her all the time. She doesn't seem to be as interested. She doesn't seem to be even like emotionally available, which is obviously in one sense we'd say, of course, that's understandable. But, you know, intimacy is such a big part of marriage. It's not the most important thing at all. Um, And sex is not the most important thing. But I do know there's a particular group growing out there and they're asking the question like, well, not only like what's normal, but what can I even expect of my, my spouse in this season? And how
1: do I talk to my spouse about Yeah,
0: that? how do I talk to my, my spouse about like, hey, I'm, I'm growing in this distance in, in the arena of sexual intimacy. Um, yeah, I, 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 thoughts on that? Any, mm-hmm. any kind of ideas or things? That well, we think I think I'm,
2: there's this is deeper than just the sexual intimacy. I mean, those of us who are Christ followers, they, do we believe that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? And clearly, 1 Corinthians 7, mm-hmm. 5, Paul is addressing marriage. And in that section, he says, Stop depriving one another, mm-hmm. except by agreement, and come together again, um, uh, Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. lest Satan tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So this is a spiritual issue. This is Satan using an individual's lack of self-control. But it raises the question. It's like Sarah, in our conference, quotes one woman who said, I just said to my husband, I don't have the energy, I don't have the time, and I don't have the interest. So there, okay? Hmm. So what we have here in her case is that she's making decisions based on her person being normal. Hmm. But Sarah likes to ask the question, okay, what if your husband didn't talk to you for three days? Is that okay to do? If he says, I don't have the need for this. I don't have a need for an emotional Hmm. connection. I just don't have a need to talk. In fact, I could go every night without talking with you. Wow. I mean, I just don't have this need. I don't want to rehash my day. I don't want... I mean, what would we think of a man who said that? Yeah. Well, and, and it's not being mean-spirited. I, I know I could I could have a thousand men stand up and say, I don't have a need to talk about our feelings. I don't have a need to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm an expert but at this. But they will because they know it's a need of the woman. Because it's the need of the woman. We become yeah. very feminist in our orientation and that we defend, and rightly so. We defend that. I want my daughter defended. She has a need to communicate things of the heart that matter to her. Uh, Deborah 10 the great linguist, said, women need to give the report to build rapport. That's mm-hmm. how you build rapport. A woman builds rapport by connecting uh, verbally about the issues of the day, going over what the kids have done. That's a good you reminder. know, and to the man, it's a it's a rehearsal. It's kind of like, why do we have to? There's a difference between a. Uh, as one man, one woman said, "Well, you you do the same thing." He said, "No, there's a difference. Yours is a report. Mine's a review, <laughs> and that I'm giving the kind of the, you know, the synopsis here." So, Sarah likes to ask the question. So each Mm -hmm. here's the point. We each have to come to a point where we understand the golden rule or or, or what we call reciprocity. And we don't have, even though we have mutual needs and mutual vulnerabilities and mutual um, desires, we don't have the same vulnerabilities, Mm -hmm. needs, and desires. Mm -hmm. And it would be so easy to conclude that because I don't have your need, therefore it ought not to be a need. And this is why it comes back to goodwill again, is in this case of sexual intimacy, particularly in the early years is is we say you know who makes the decision what's even more interesting Paul said she doesn't have authority over her own body but the husband does the husband doesn't have authority over his own body but the wife does and so now the question is on Tuesday night who decides whether you're going to be sexually intimate does he decide Mm -hmm. or does she decide and in the early years does he decide yes we're going to because my anatomy I need release I need physiological release every three days there is your sons are going to have a need for sexual release there's an orgasmic Anatomy, mm-hmm. the women are more subtle. It's much more subtle. It's very difficult to know if a woman is sexually aroused. She might spot a little bit red on the chest, but you you she can fake it. <laughs> Every woman knows that. She yes. but it's not even that she's trying to fake. She's not but she's not necessarily interested in having an orgasm. She's more interested in just bringing, meeting her husband's need, and she mm-hmm. finds great pleasure in that. Yeah. But if yeah. he's expecting her to be like some porn star and just all hot and that's not her physiology isn't always that way, particularly if if she's not feeling emotionally, totally connected with them because they've got an unresolved <laughs> conflict. Yeah. She's what we call an integrated personality. So if her spirit is quenched, it's very difficult for her to become aroused sexually. Yeah. All right, But a man can actually um, be re-energized and connect emotionally after there's yeah. been good sexual intimacy. Follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But now even when they're in their 70s or 80s, there are many women who are longing for that physical touch and sexual intimacy. And he's not the, the whole erectile dysfunction, uh, and the Viagra. What, what, what is this all about? It's because that element. And so she's now feeling deprived. So mm-hmm. we're not trying to say he's the sexual, you know, animal here. I mean, we could say she would be then when she's 70 years old too. I mean, it, it, what I'm trying to say is that there's this, these seasons. Yeah. And let's not be throwing stones at each other because there's going to be reversal soon enough. Once those kids exactly. out. So, so, so too, you, you suddenly now lose your job and maybe you've had a partial stroke. And, and the older you get, more grandfathers become more aware of the family dynamics and become mm-hmm. more expressive and start to cry over things and become more sentimental. Yes. Yeah. You see and, that. And, and want to kind of talk about, did, did my life have significance? And am I really making an impact? He wants to begin to talk. So if, if couples early on can begin to realize this is a lifetime commitment and there's a give and take. And so back to your point, if you are homeschooling, you're devoted to your kids, you're giving all your emotional energy there, you're exhausted physically, Mm. and your husband now is feeling like he's really just the older child in this family, he's nothing more than a meal ticket, and he's got this anatomy that needs sexual release, Mm. and there's a satanic temptation, he has not the self-control that you, let's say, have. Mm. You're gonna have to, as two adults, realize what does it mean to meet the other's need? And particularly, and this is what I say to the guy, if if you're willing to meet her emotional needs that i'm i'm all in on that i am honey i I give the report to build rapport i'm available to you sarah and i set up a time 15 minutes every night after dinner where we shut the door and you know she had the young kids i was there she she knew i would be there at least for that Hmm. right it was predictable that was our time and and it just and she would keep her notes because a lot of times she would want to tell me everything during transitional moments, and I would get frustrated.
1: Yeah. So then we set we don't up know this, anything about that. Yeah. We set up this rhythm <laughs> a little bit where it's then that,
2: that but I was all in on that. But That's Sarah true. also recognized that I had needs that weren't always her needs. That's and true. instead of saying I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the interest. So there. Hmm. Uh, which you talk about contempt toward oh, the male absolutely. soul. Absolutely. And yeah. but if we defend females and their sentiments, and we don't defend our sons. We're, we're going to do our, our boys a great disservice. But what happens today is that the emotional component is view, viewed as virtuous. The physical release is viewed as kind of just, you know, particularly when you just stop and think about it. That doesn't seem to be. Well, let's step back. Has God designed this? And mm. and could it be okay that my husband, for instance, has a need that you don't that have? Don't have yeah. And then beyond that, he has a need that only you can meet. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Your BFF can meet your emotional needs. Your kids can meet those. Your mother can meet those. There's only one way that God intends for that sexual need to be met. And the other alternatives are quenching the Holy Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. So now that's why it becomes a spiritual issue. But it also becomes an act of worship. It can become something, you can do this unto Christ, even though you yourself as a woman, let's say, I say to women, I get it. Particularly even if you were abused. So at the end of the day, bring Jesus Christ into this. Jesus Christ wants you to worship him in this act of sex. Don't make the secular and the spiritual two different things. Don't make what people have defiled somehow God's view of this. You put that aside and you begin to realize Jesus Christ is present. I am serving Jesus Christ in this. I am touching the heart of Christ because he designed this. And I ask women to practice this for six weeks and tell me if that doesn't become an act of worship to them. Because most of these women have a tender relationship with Jesus. Yes. Yes. And just yeah. bring him into that and, wow. and, and see that you're doing this unto Christ as well. Wow. I just think it, this isn't that complex. And then as Sarah talks about at the conference, this 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 uh, wife, uh, she was the nurse that Sarah was seeing and found out marriage stuff. And uh it, the crowd always goes funny, they just laugh at this, but she said, oh, do I have a story for you? And she said her husband was in a twerp, and that, why is he in a twerp? The, cause, and she said this to her mother, because they always go over on Sunday afternoon to see the mother, mm-hmm. mom, we're not coming this afternoon. Well, why? Well, I suppose because Mark is in a, in a twit, is what he said, a twit, <laughs> and in a twit. She said, well, what's he in a twit about? Well, I suppose because we haven't been sexually intimate this week. And she said to her daughter, Beth, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. <gasps> She said, Mother, why would you deprive him of something that means so much and takes so little time from you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Deprive him of something that means so much and takes so little time for you. Wow. (laughs) Now, I'm not trying to be uh,
2: dismissive. Sarah, we're not trying to in any way be demeaning. We're not trying to make any. But again, if you can parallel the reciprocity. Do you as a woman have a need to communicate heart to heart emotionally mm. for 15, 20, 30 minutes a day? Would that be yes. a very important thing to you?
1: Yeah, regardless of your season, even if you're overwhelmed with little kids, I think all women can say, yeah, I, yeah. I need I need to at least talk about the fact that I'm overwhelmed. and I need him to listen. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Now, yeah. is
2: it okay to make a moral equivalence that he has a need that mm. and if we dismiss that as somehow not a good thing or could yeah. it really be? And, and here's the deal. Women love sex. Mm-hmm. They love sex. But it has to be this is why the romance, this is why if you love me, you talk to me, we're at a wedding, we're uh, and we're in a hotel. I mean, yeah. she wants to engage. Part of the reason that she wants to connect is that everything is okay, and then she you, you can excite me, but you've got to you've got to somehow ignite my fire through the emotional element. Yes, yeah. That's By being non-sexual. Loving. Exactly. By being that's exactly love. right. So yeah. if that happens You say, "Yeah, that's exactly right. We're not disinterested in sex. We want sex, but men just kind of want this. I I want you to love me for me, and that you're not just being affectionate because you want sex. You just want so. Given that scenario, right? So you see a continuum. You see a sequence. Yeah, the man starts at the other end. Yeah, you meet his needs sexually, and then he connects emotionally. Mm -hmm. So it raises, and generally speaking, yeah. So then it comes down to this issue: Are we willing then, in response to your? To, yes. to kind of see this and understand this and meet each I other know. halfway.
0: This, yeah. but, oh, this has been brilliant. Uh, Emerson, thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. I know like, I'm going to go re-listen to this and process all of this yeah. as well. Uh, we hope this has been helpful to you. Thanks for tuning in today. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If this was helpful to you, we always encourage you to share it with someone. You can always follow us. On Instagram at intentional underscore parents or on our website, intentionalparents.org. And also, if you enjoyed today's episode or it spoke to you in any specific way, would you do us a favor and please leave a review on iTunes? This helps us bring more hope, help, and healing for families. Thank you for listening.